For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. When I was in high school, uh, I had a friend named Chris, and Chris and I were involved in a lot of the same things, and so we were both friends, but also kind of rivals. Uh, maybe you have people like this in your life too. Uh, we were both on the wrestling team, but uh, Chris was Chris was a slightly better wrestler than I was, and he didn't always beat me, but more often than not, um, he did. Um, we also played football together, and he was a running back, and I was a linebacker, and I'm being honest, uh, I got the better of those exchanges most of the time. Um, academically, well, academically, I, I had him beat. Uh, and, but there was, a, there, was, uh, there was a girl, even, you know, the most important of all, uh, there was a girl that Chris and I both were interested in. And uh, I don't think we ever really addressed it, you know, out loud, but we both kind of knew. Uh, we were both kind of pursuing her. And, uh, and sure enough, uh, sure enough, she chose Chris. She, yeah, she, she chose Chris. Um, I feel like in the end I got the better deal of it, but uh, that's sort of beside the point. We were both, we were both friends, but, but also rivals. And we were kind of always sort of jokingly, but half serious, jockeying for position together as we were, as we were often involved in the same things. Um, we're going to see this rivalry uh, also come out even amongst the disciples. Um, so uh, Matthew 18, 18 verse 1. Uh, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Uh, this, this might come in connection with a story that we see as well of, of James and John um, asking to sit on sort of the, the right and the left of Jesus in the kingdom. Uh, might, be, might be connected with that. It might also come out of um, Peter's just been called Satan. Uh, that Peter says, No, Jesus, you don't need to go to the cross. And uh, and Jesus rebukes him, and so maybe the rest of the disciples are now seeing their opportunity to kind of jockey for, for position around Jesus. Um, they probably pictured a, a physical throne in Jerusalem. Uh, they thought they were going to come into power and glory. Um, but it's not what Jesus has for them. In verse 2, um, And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Um, Jesus doesn't yell at them or rebuke them. and It's almost like maybe while they're arguing with each other and comparing uh, their resumes and their accolades and, and what they've been able to do, um, this audacious sort of question of who's the greatest, um, while they're in this argument, Jesus calls a kid in. He calls a child over and, and, and stands the child in the middle of them. Um, children were, were loved but they had no power, no status, and no privilege in this day and age. Um, they had no status apart from love. They had no power or privileges apart from what they received from their parents. They were totally dependent. And Jesus is saying that um, the kingdom needs to be about humility. Not childishness, but childlikeness. Childlikeness in, in trust, in faith, in simplicity, in, in a frankness and obedience, childlikeness in unpretentiousness, um, trustfulness, this attitude of a child. And, and there's this contrast of these men arguing as to who is the best and the child who's standing there probably humbly and, and perhaps with some fear. Jesus says that this child is the greatest right now among you. 
Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Again, it shows Jesus' heart for children. Um, and instead of debating their own position that they should have been welcoming and serving those lesser than them, like the children. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it'd be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Um, Jesus takes a pretty heavy turn here. We're saying the child is the greatest, then, but he shifts and says, listen, if anyone causes one of these little ones, one of the weak, one of the vulnerable to sin, a millstone is a, a big rock, a big granite rock that was pulled around probably by a donkey um, used to grind meal, right? To grind flour, this really heavy rock. He said it's better for them um, to tie that around their neck and jump off a bridge. Um, Jesus sometimes had pretty harsh things to say. And he says a rejection, a rejection of, of these little ones is a rejection of Jesus himself, a rejection of the vulnerable, a rejection of the weak as, as, as the disciples sort of jockey for power. Uh, and I think what Jesus is saying here too is, is he's, he's not just talking about um, stumbles, not just about apostasy, but it's about not welcoming, about rejecting, about ignoring, causing them to stumble in their discipleship. We see, again, Jesus' heart here for, for the vulnerable. Woe to the world for temptations to sin. For it's necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And the reality of the cursed world that we live in and the temptations around us, but it's a call. Jesus is calling the disciples to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes and be thrown in the hell of fire. Jesus has said this exact same thing before as well uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. And he's, he's reiterating it once again about the importance of, of rooting sin out of our lives. And, and the disciples are debating what greatness is and, 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 and who is the greatest. And Jesus says, look at the child. The child is the greatest. And, and the key here, the core is root out sin. Pursue holiness. It's, it's, it's internal and not external. Um, and, and I think that's what, what Jesus wants to get at here for us, is what does it mean to excel? What does it mean to be great? We live in a, a culture of celebrity. Um, we just finished the Winter Olympics, uh, and I mean, no one really cares about fourth place, or fourth place also known as seemingly the Canadian special. Um, we want to claim. We want trophies. We want things to post on social media. We want to, to pump our own tires and, and allow others to praise us for our accomplishments, for trophies and recognition. And it's natural to associate with people who will help us achieve those things. People who will help us get more of those things. And we jockey for position and, and put ourselves in a place with people who will help us in our quest for glory. But Jesus turns this desire for recognition up on his head. You know who's greater than you, he says, this child. Why? Because of the humility and the simplicity, the sincere trust. That the world pursues the scene, the accolades, the money and the fame. 
And Jesus looks at the heart. And, and, and I think one of the things about, about loving this kid and reaching out and serving this kid is there's nothing the kid can do for you really in return to help you boost your own status. There's no reward. They can't help social standing. Um, and this isn't just a worldly thing either. I mean, we see the same struggle just as the disciples had of jockeying with each other. Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Churches do it too. Do within the church, we compare buildings, budgets, and bodies. We compare those things and, and look, which is the greatest? We tend to compare those external things and Jesus wants to cut through that. And he says, true acclaim comes not for the external, but in the internal. 2 Corinthians uh, 4.18, Paul says it this way, And we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That God looks not at what we can show off to others, but that which was, is, is in us, our character, our holiness, our righteousness. That's what God wants to see us focus our energy on, not on the trophies. And it's what we see here in First uh, Samuel as well, as he looks, uh, as he's talking to, to Samuel uh, about David. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. So that's on David's brothers. Uh, that even though they look impressive and, and they look like they, they can do great things, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. True acclaim. True greatness in the eyes of God is internal. It's righteousness, it's character, it's faith, it's love, it's kindness, it's goodness. And these things, as we pursue them, might not get us much fame. But if we do pursue them with this, this childlike obedience, this childlike dependence on God, it will give us the approval of Jesus. And maybe that's the point. Which do we really want more? Do we want the praise of men? Do we want the trophies? Do we want the acclaim? Do we want the thrones? And, and want Jesus to provide those for us and expect that, that Jesus is also going to be just as excited as perhaps those around us are? Or are we willing to go unnoticed? Are we willing to be the least? Are we willing to be like the child in the story in order to gain the approval of what Jesus wants more? Our hearts transformed. Let's pray. God, thank you for your patience with us. Thank you again that you model this for us. And help us, um, help us to shed off this ambition that we, we feel, the pressure we feel for acclaim, for notoriety, for fame, whatever it is, for people to, to applaud us because of the external things in our lives. The, the size of, the, of our house, the, the, the trophies we have, our bank accounts, our positions, whatever it might be. Instead, God, help us to pursue the things that you really value, which are internal. Internal in us and also the, this desire to, to love the vulnerable and the poor and the broken and those who can't improve our social standings. God, help us to pursue those things and your approval, first and foremost. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, hey, once again, hope you have a great rest of the day. We'll talk again soon.